Wildish is a story about the humans tangled in the world of wild horse management. Activists aching for the animals to be wild. Those who see them as invasive and the people with the Bureau of Land Management faced with balancing the horse as a relic of Wild West heritage along with its impact on the landscape. From High Country News in collaboration with Alan Warda's Media, I'm Anna Coburn and this is Wildish. <laughs> Cook me them potatoes. <laughs> Better watch it. What are your thoughts now? Now that you have her and seeing what she can do and... Are you talking about my wife or the wild horse? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. I ate potatoes in Cardwell, Montana, which is about an hour west of Bozeman. I visited my friend Ashlyn on a ranch she shares with her wife, Barb. And I was surrounded by a pack of weird animals, which included a deaf cattle dog puppy, a pet lamb named Mr. Knees, and an androgynous one-eyed chicken named Leggies. But the star of this cattle ranch was Delilah, an adopted wild horse. On this final episode of Wildish, Mustang of the American West, I wanted to know what life could look like for a wild horse after the holding facility. What a good life could look like. A wild horse or burrow story doesn't end when it's gathered off the range. In fact, it has the capability of changing people's lives for the better. You know, it's almost like a whole different species. Been obviously around domestic horses forever. I love them and they're great and they're special. They're just as special. But something when you look into her eyes and the way her mannerisms, she's proud. When we loaded her in the trailer, I was like, my jaw dropped. This is the most beautiful horse I've ever seen in my life. Anybody would pay big bucks to have a horse that looked like that. And even my wife says, since you've gotten this horse, you've gotten extremely more patient. Like your whole demeanor has changed. She has taught me way more than I've taught her. Something about horses, I mean, it like gets in your soul and there's something about them that's so different than any other animal. I mean, I love all animals, but horses have something really special. <laughs> She's gonna taste your microphone there. She's a little mouthy. <laughs> Delilah was gathered in 2017 from around the same area Otelia lives, Rock Springs, Wyoming. Delilah kind of looks like a surfer. She's got a light brown body with a blonde mane. She's got four white socks, but I don't know any surfers who surf in their socks. Her coolest feature is that she has two white stripes down her nose. I've never seen anything like it. Neither has Ashlyn. Ashlyn adopted Delilah from the internet, which is something you can do from the BLM. I went onto their website. It's not extremely user-friendly, but I found the options and they had two different options. You could do an application for an adoption or one to buy. We won't go into all the details of the process, but what you need to know is last year, the BLM implemented the Adoption Incentive Program. After you're approved to adopt a wild horse or burrow, you get 500 bucks. The animal is still property of the BLM for a year, but if you followed the guidelines, your animal's doing great, you get another 500 bucks after that year, and then the horse or burrow is all yours. As of this recording, it's been 11 months since Delilah was adopted, and nobody from the BLM has come to check on her. So who's to say Ashlyn and Barb aren't just doing this for the money and providing Delilah the bare minimum? Who's to say that adopters don't just sell them after a year? maybe even to be carted across the borders for slaughter. Of course, I wouldn't call Ashlyn and Barb my friends if they were those kind of people, but it's something that advocates frequently bring up. Ashlyn works part-time as a cop, so she has the time to work with Delilah. I have 
the best opportunity in the world to do it. We live out here on a ranch. I can build whatever I need to build. I can walk out my back door and work with her whenever I want. But it wouldn't be possible without Barb, who works full-time as a state trooper, a mom, the big boss of 1,700 acres, oh, and a sergeant in the army. No big deal. There's never really a day of rest for these two. So this is your family's estate? This is a family ranch from... My family came here in 1913. And Barb had definitely heard of wild horses before all this. She told me about it as she cooked the potatoes. So my dad actually worked for the BLM and retired from the BLM. He was in charge of building fences and spraying weeds and stuff like that around the local area. The little limited bit of information I had was from him in his gripes about the wild horses. It's the cost and the BLM was in charge of this and I mean, why are we wasting our money and... Ashlyn had her own adversaries too when it came to adopting Delilah. I talked to a lot of people before I did this, a lot of horse people, and not one of them was very supportive. They said, these Mustangs are crazy. You don't want anything to do with them. But they did it, and even Barb's dad changed his tune. So it's weird when I see him now, <laughs> like when we brought Delilah home, he was just like, I don't build horses like that, you know? I mean, it's he just was like, I think like, that's the prettiest horse I've ever seen. Because that's not my dad at all. Like, he's not that kind of guy about any kind of animal. Ashlyn has sent me pictures of every single milestone she's had with Delilah, from loading her on the trailer, all wild and scared, to simply being able to touch her, to finally a picture of Delilah all saddled up and Ashlyn on her back. Ashlyn has become a part of Delilah's herd. Not so much Barb, at least at this point. Don't bite me. She's not gonna. Yeah, right. Not you, she'll bite me. She's not gonna bite you. But there aren't hard feelings. So I've been in and around horses and livestock my entire life. This is the first wild horse I've ever been around. And it's been fun to see it from looking at the webpage and looking at her, saying, okay, yeah, let's get that one. And then going down the facilities, picking her up. And for me, it's not necessarily seeing Delilah turn into a domesticated horse, whatever you call it. It's watching my wife totally have this, I don't want to say personality change, but just willingness to be like, okay, that's not working like I thought it would. How do I go about making it work? So it's been remarkable. I was honored that Delilah didn't mind me coming into the corral and letting me pet her. I could tell she was different. She seemed wise. Their other horses came up to me and let me pet them, of course, but Delilah was quiet. She had this pensive way about her. I remember Tracy Scott from Steadfast Steeds saying, a horse can feel your vibes and feel your intentions. I felt like that chosen cowboy Dave Phillips talked about in our first episode. The cowboy's best friend and closest ally is always the wild horse. The cowboy never rides a fancy thoroughbred. He always rides some horse that he got off the range, and usually it's a horse that would only submit to him because he was noble. But Delilah was nice to everybody. I shouldn't flatter myself that much. What a thrill to work with this horse. My biggest goal was that I didn't want the horse to get hurt no matter what. And we were just going to take it slow and... She's hard as a rock, too. Like, her muscles, I mean, it's almost electric when you touch her. Like, something's different. And the look in her eye. It's like she knows she was wild and she's not now. She knows that I know she's better off here than where she was in the holding facility. And I've never built that kind of bond or trust with any animal, period. Ashlyn and I continued our interview outside, hanging out with Delilah. She charged me one time. I think we all hope that our horses love us the way we love them. 
But the best we can hope for is that they respect us. Best thing that I did with her was I consistently came out here at the same time every day to feed her morning and night. So she learned real fast and it was just me doing it, nobody else. Because this was my project and I wasn't gonna make anyone else, but I needed her to know she could depend on me. When we get to that point where we're actually a true horse and rider partnership, I know that she's gonna be the best partner I've ever had. She's my best friend. She probably knows me better than anybody. If I'm frustrated or if I'm distracted, I don't even have to do anything different. I don't think I'm doing anything different, but she can sense it. She knows. She can read me like a book more than a person. But same way with her. She shows more emotion than other horses I've ever had. I mean, horses are prey animals, and they look at us as a predator, and she lets me jump on her back and she stands there. I mean, that's amazing. Horses are prey animals. Back in the kitchen, I asked Ashlyn and Barb about having more predators out in the wild to keep the excess numbers of wild horses and burrows down. I mean, they have cows and calves, sheep and lambs, dogs, cats, goats, chickens, and a whole family out there on this ranch. We lived near a herd management area, and they decided to release predators. As a rancher, would you, both of you, would you be okay with that? We've already taken steps to make sure that our animals are protected from predators with our guardian dogs so that we don't have to shoot them. Because we don't want to go down that road. And we realize I mean, we're I'm in their backyard. I mean, we're not ignorant to that. Putting up electric fences, putting up better fences. Predators are naturally going to go to what's easiest to get to. So let's say you've got a sick wild horse foal, or you've got a calf, but it's with a healthy mama cow and there's dogs around. Gonna They're going to go to the horse. I mean, I yeah, you might you might have some losses, but you're gonna have them anyways. There's I mean, a, that's the risk. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're take you're. It's a gamble every day being a rancher. You're raising animals. You choose to live out in the wild. There's gonna be wild animals, and horses are wild animals. We need more natural predators to to take care of that evolutionary process. Maybe we do need to think differently about predators. I can count on one hand all the times I've been cartoon scared where I was sweating and shaking and my teeth were literally chattering. And one of those times was when I had a run in with a mountain lion, but I was in their backyard. I was in their habitat. That's how it is in the wildish West. Wildlife has fewer and fewer places to go. This is Diane Nelson, co-founder of Wild Horse Sanctuary in California, just outside of Lassen Volcanic National Park. This sanctuary has been around for 36 years. They currently have around 300 wild horses and some burrows. The 5,000 acres that we have available to the horses is also available to bear, deer, bobcat, coyotes, even mountain lions. It's small, but it's, it's at least a little sanctuary for them too. Before I met Delilah, I went out to California to talk with Diane. I wanted to walk around and see more of the wild horses that I could, but I had terrible blisters on my feet from these old bargain boots I bought at a vintage Western wear shop. Diane was very hospitable and her back porch was really cool. The turkeys have multiplied since we've been here. We now have resident Canada geese, a place that's accessible for people who love wildlife and horses to visit and see them. And then we offer trail rides so that we take people out and we actually ride. As long as Diane has been a part of the Wild Horse and Burrow conundrum, she says the BLM has not changed much. Their story has never changed. The horses need to be reduced. There's been a fire. There's been poor range conditions. They're eating themselves out of house and home. So when I think about what's happening on the public lands today, I'm comforted by the fact that there are a lot of organizations that are picking up the fight and taking the battles to Congress and in the courts 
to try to help the horses. That's always a comfort. The horses have lived out there for a long time. And some people will say, well, what good's a wild horse? Well, what good is any life form that you don't happen to like? Uh, Snakes aren't my favorite, but I don't want to eradicate them. I asked Diane what she would want to say to people. If they care about wild horses, it's important to make their feelings known, to speak up, because the horses can't speak for themselves. And there are so many ways that people can help. There's a quote from Edmund Burke that says, no greater mistake was made than by he who did nothing because he could only do a little. The horses are losing. And when you look at the big picture, that's what I see, and that's the disheartening part. I don't know how you fix it in today's world. Later, I asked Ashlyn and Barb the same thing. I hope that more people adopt them. Honestly, I hope they can figure that out. And I know this incentive program is helping a little bit. But I hope they get adopted for the right reasons. But they get ad- exactly. And that's what my fear is. I don't want people adopting these horses for the wrong reasons. So I want to know what you think. I'm more confused now than when I first began this project because I've fallen in love with everybody I've interviewed and everyone has a really good point. All I know for sure is something needs to change. There are a million things I could talk about when it comes to this subject. It was hard to pick and choose what was relevant for this podcast. I encourage you to look more into this because this headache is far from over. And just like the polarization of the United States political parties, The trenches in this warfare keep getting deeper and deeper. I wonder if we even begin to untangle this, we can start to untangle a lot of the other problems we're facing. What does the future hold for the American West? What do we do with animals that don't exactly fit in? I know there are plenty of perspectives that are still out there, and I encourage you to come forward. Let's start a conversation. I get it, we're not all gonna hold hands, but the American West is shrinking and so are our populations of animals. The most important question isn't if wild horses and burrows should be here. The question is, now that they are, what do we do? Different from what we've been doing for the past 40 years. We have a lot of power as humans. We're capable of good and bad. What are you capable of? What can you do? I'd like to thank everyone who participated in this. And I hope that this podcast does some good. Please rate it wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to give a shout out to Western Colorado University, Alan Warda's Media, Dr. Corrine Knapp, Brigham Young University's Red Center, and many, many others who encouraged me through the tantrums and tears of making my own podcast alone in my kitchen. I'd also like to give a shout out to all the ears I've scratched on horses and donkeys. One day I'll have some of my own. Thank all of you for listening to this small series, Wildish, Mustang of the American West. And Burroughs, we can't forget the Burroughs.